Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a passionate gamer who's trying to learn the rules of the game that he now finds himself trapped in. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics, a man so comfortable with his mastery of the game that he seems born within it. He is the Tron to my Kevin Flynn, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? How you doing, Dave? It only feels like yesterday we recorded an episode. I know, it's because it was almost yesterday. The only thing happened between our recordings was I got my ass handed to me over the weekend at the uh, the Southern Showdown tournament in South Georgia. So, um... How was that? Was it good? Good fun, though? Uh, a great tournament. Great tournament. They, uh, Robert Demings uh, for uh, Battle Ready, they, he always puts on great great events. Um, and there was, a set, I think it was 76 players we started with for, you know, the inevitable midday, uh, uh, end of the first day drops. Um, and I had, had a couple uh, top-ranked players there and just a bunch of people that are all there to go and have a good time. So, yeah, it was a really good event overall. I, I did not fare very well, but it's okay because with everything we're going to talk about today, I'm going to, I had to overhaul my list anyway, and it was, it was good. It, it was good to see where the strengths and weaknesses of my list were. So even though my win loss was terrible, I went one and four, I really saw why I was losing because it was the same units that kept failing to perform for me. So I know what's I'm taking out and what I'm putting back in, or, you know, what I'm putting in to uh, make up the difference. So, um, so yeah, no, it was a great event all around. It was it was a learning experience for me, and it was great to see a bunch of people that I see at, at events every couple months. Um, uh, Shauna went and, and tested out her return to Bloody Rose and had some fantastic success uh, too. So yeah, it was a great weekend. How was your weekend? Yeah, good. Uh, we streamed a game. We streamed the new Chaos Space Marine game. Uh, so we did, I was running the Chaos Space Marines. I was using my Black Legion, or basically my Sons of Horus Army, literally. What I did, Dave, was I got the Horus Heresy army I painted for uh, Warhammer. Right. I took everything in the box, and I put it on the table, and I added a Baden, and that's a Chaos army of roughly 2,000 points. Nice. Very so, cool. So if you get the Horus Heresy box set, you've got a Chaos army right there. I even had the Land Raider on the table, who was awesome. Really? He was good. Yeah, yeah. It was funny, because I, I had a... Um... Uh, when we got there Saturday morning, somebody uh, walked up to me, saw my my uh, Vanguard Tactics uh, uniform shirt, and they were like, oh, from Vanguard Tactics, like, in the UK? I'm like, yeah, well, around the world, but yes. And he goes, oh, we were just watching the stream game before we walked into the event. So um, I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was having breakfast in the morning. But yeah, apparently a lot of people were watching it and said it was it was a good game. I, I got to go back and watch it, though. especially if there was a Land Raider that performed. I, I want to see this. Yeah, he, the Land Raider was good. Um, he didn't have, like... Uh, we, me and Michael played a test game the night before um, and did quite well in that game as well. So I used it yesterday more as a tactical unit rather than just a damage dealer. But on the whole, I think it's got some play, especially with Black Legion, because you get plus one to hit against the closest eligible target, which is really nice. So now you've got a land raid hitting on twos. It's a bit more durable now at toughness nine. It took ages for Michael to kill it with his custodes. Um, and I think Trajan and the Blade Champ all had to go in to try and kill it. So it really drew Michael out into the centre of the table, which allowed then Abaddon to come in and do his thing. Yeah. Or, and Abaddon is such a beast now. Yeah. Abaddon, He's such a beast. Or Abaddon, should I say? Abaddon. Yeah. Abaddon? 
up at home. No, it's a it's it, you know what? I've gone back and forth over that and I had to sit down and, and go back to what my parents used to teach because my parents were English teachers. And it's it is the correct the way it's spelled, it should be Abaddon. Abaddon, yeah. Yeah. But in the in the law, because somebody commented just on the battle report, they were like, Steve, you listen to the books, but they don't say Abaddon. They say Abaddon. I know. I'm just saying the the the, the rules of the English language. Yeah. You know I love my rules. You do. Yeah. And I love the English language, you know. Really. We know how much you love the English language. Yeah. Oh, also, side note, didn't get your reference today again. Sorry, Dave. But people do I, love I know. people do love trolling me on Instagram. They're like, "How do you not know what that is?" I'm like, "So it's, it's all good. It's like our little thing. It's good." Right. Um, no, it is. But do you know? Do you know who will, will get my reference from today? James from James Peach. Otero. Because because when James and I had our one to one, he told me that he too one of his favorite movies is Tron Legacy, which is why he's all excited to help me with my my paint scheme for my. Uh, for my towel. So, and speaking of James, thank you, James and Siege Studios, for sponsoring uh, the, us to sit here and waffle on about um, you know 40k the way we do uh, every week or a couple times a week, or nearly every day at the moment, or nearly every day at the moment. Yeah, but anyway, you know, thanks so much for Siege Studios. So, if you're looking to get your army commissioned, then obviously uh, make sure you head over to SiegeStudios.co.uk and um, look at. You know, obviously getting some of the fantastic things done there. You can also get a custom character done, which are absolutely incredible. Um, and obviously they do loads of uh, workshops in sort of tutorials, whether you want one-to-one sessions or an in-person workshop here in the UK. So check out C Studios and we'll be hearing with James at the end of the show as well, obviously to help you get your army battle ready. You've got to get those 10 points in early, Dave. You know, there's no point starting a game without those 10 battle ready painted points is there. Yeah, why would you want to tie your tie one hand behind your back, walk on your score before you even put dice on the table? Exactly. So listen to later. I'm sure James will have a great tip for us. Um, yeah, yeah. What else, Dave? Uh, yeah. So um, uh, open enrollment for the academy is still uh, ongoing. There's a few spots left. The academy starts in just over a week. I believe it's ten days from from the time of recording, July fourth. Yeah. Uh, all all hail the day of of reckoning and the day of birth of our Lord and Savior, the handsomest man in 40K, Jake Harding. Yes. Uh, so go online and make sure that you you sign up so that you can start the next round of the Academy on July 4th. Uh, I even had people, and, and I, I mean, I know I can waffle on people like, oh, yeah, of course you like the Academy. You're Steve's friend. Well, yeah, I, it's true, but I was an Academy student before, and I actually had people come up to me this weekend at the event telling me that they are students of the Academy and they and they love the information in the academy, and they like the academy better than some of the other coaching services that are out there. So I'm getting this feedback just one to one from other people who are just other competitive players. So if you want to take your game up, join. Yeah, well, like, our take on it is a bit different, right? So obviously, there's nothing wrong with a you know bespoke coaching service for you know helping you become the most competitive player you can be. Uh, each to their own. Obviously, what we try to do is lay in the fundamentals of the game through our course. Uh, so it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's obviously a really nice thing to hear. Nice compliments when people enjoy your ethos. Obviously, our thing is sportsmanship and fair play and really making that come first before you make other decisions. So often I've always said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Whereas other people might go, well, you can do it, so you should do it. Um, so it's just a slightly different intake or a, a different take on uh, what it means to be a good sport and, uh, you know, a competitive player. So that's just, you know, how we're maybe a little bit different to other things that are out there that you could do. Um, also, so on the academy intake, 
I'm going to be running some regular Zoom calls. So if you're unsure, you can jump on a Zoom call with me and uh, I can answer any questions that you have about the Academy. If you're, you know, maybe sat on the fence thinking, oh, is it the right thing? Is it going to be a good investment? Um, then obviously I want to make sure it is the right for you before you do sign up. And I mean, let's be honest, Dave, if you wouldn't have done the Academy, you and I may have never met before. Oh, absolutely not. And you wouldn't be here as my co-host. I would not be here as your co-host. And I would not have known a lot of the things that I knew to do this weekend with my with my army that when I, you know, yeah, to just playing the game. Like, you know, I, I actually had a moment where I was um, in one of my games this weekend when I randomly charged two crisis suits into a uh, Eldari wave serpent. Why would I do that? That doesn't make sense. I have no chance of killing it. Well, I did that because it allowed me to put two models on the objective and flip an objective. Yeah. So those are things that I would never have known to do before I joined the Academy. Yeah. Because I didn't think of the game in that way. It changes your perspective on how you look at the game. Yeah. It's all about scoring points rather than just trying to table your opponent. Uh, And that's really what we want to try and help. Because when you focus on that, you actually end up with a much more enjoyable game because both of you can play rather than, oh, my list is just tailored to you know, absolutely smash you turn one and take you off the table. Well, that's not enjoyable for your opponent. Whereas if you can score, you know, all the points you possibly can, uh, and that's what you're focused on is playing the mission, your opponent can table you, but you could still end up winning, although being tabled. And I think it's a really nice um, way to enjoy the game. Yeah. So obviously that uh, starts on the 4th of July and it closes. So the last time you'll be able to buy uh, a space for the Academy is the 11th of July. We keep it going for a week. Uh, during that first week, because first week is kind of introductions, meet and greets, and also the first module, but we elect people jump on until the 11th of July. So that is your hard deadline to get on this course. Um, obviously, um, you know, let's say I think like one of the spots has only got five spaces left. So once they're gone, they're gone. Um, but apart from that, yeah, make sure you you jump on. And if you want a Zoom call with me, you can always head over to our uh, www.bangaltactics.com sign up for our waiting list or sorry our email list at the very bottom of the web page and then you get put on our email list and you'll find out about more team calls that I'm running and everything else yeah sounds good um, we are uh, and uh, when you go online please don't forget to uh, like share subscribe leave us a five star review um, we actually don't have any reviews to read through today because uh, we are uh, a we just recorded yesterday or two days ago so we don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, we haven't got any new reviews in to read. Um, and frankly, we have so much stuff to cover today on this episode. Um, we we got to fly through. So um, just do my normal uh, acknowledgements, which is if you want to follow us on Instagram, please do. You can find Steve on Instagram at at the Vanguard Tactics. I am on Instagram at at Infantry Lawyer. Don't forget to go to www.vanguardtactics.com to get all the information about the Academy. Don't forget to go to YouTube and look up the Vanguard Tactics uh, channel there. You will not see my pretty face. You will see Steve's pretty face. You will see Mike's uh, greatest ponytail in the history of 40K. Um, And go check out that Chaos Space Ring game from this weekend and see the first preview of the new Chaos Space Ring Codex, uh, which is not what we're talking about today. That's the next episode that we're probably going to record tomorrow. Another couple of days. (laughs) Yep, tomorrow or the day after. Probably tomorrow because, my God, we have stuff to record. Um, we're also going to skip over the rules lawyer segment. I actually have a fantastic question. James Evans, I haven't forgotten about you. I have your question. I have the answer ready to go, but I'm pushing that to tomorrow because we are today talking about 
the balanced data slate, the June points upgrades, and the new Warzone Nephilim book. We're going to try to squeeze it all in. It's going to be a very long episode, so uh, grab your popcorn, uh, grab something caffeinated, settle into your, your favorite couch or your car, wherever you're driving. Be careful. Listen. we got a whole lot to talk about. So, Steve, points first? Yeah, let's do the points. All right. I mean, that is, we'll actually, do points first. That is actually part of our rules lawyer segment, so we'll cover that. We, we can cover that, yeah, as well. The rules law yeah. segment, we'll do that after points, yeah. Okay. So um, so points updates, obviously, it is a 54-page document, so we are not going to go through every single model. Um, there is actually, you guys, you and Mike did a really great breakdown video um, last week when the points updates first dropped, yeah. whenever it was, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so there's a whole video, guys, if you want to see it, go back to YouTube, go to the Vanguard Tactics page and pull up the points updates video that's on there they go through everything but just a couple of highlights points changes uh pour one out for the tau storm surge i gotta whine and complain about that one because i liked playing with that model it didn't do that much i don't know what why it was a great offender that needed a 70 point upgrade Could you um, were playing it dave yeah i don't think that was it i think it was if that was true if that was true my beloved tidewall shield line would have gone up 40 points or something so um, because I still love that thing, but you know, it is what it is. I think before we get into the points, um, yeah, uh, many people are going to be change is always difficult, right? We don't like change. Most of us are creatures of habit. Uh, having to think, right, I need to change my list now is not always a good th- feeling for most people. Um, so the way that we need to kind of think about this instead is this is a very positive thing for the game that points get changed on a regular basis. It means that sometimes you might feel like your favorite unit has got increased or maybe you don't agree with those points changes and that's completely fine. Obviously, everybody's entitled to their own opinion on whatever things they they want points to be. Um, We'd all love everything to be cheaper, of course, so we can all put more toys on the table. But what we we kind of want to try to get is good internal balance in a codex. Um, And what that therefore means is when we look at a unit, it should be on par to another option in that codex from ideally the same force organization slot as well because obviously that's kind of what it's competing with um so typically what we've seen over the last sort of few months is a lot of hq's choices being taken we've seen a lot of elite choices being taken and just some arbitrary troops thrown in what we haven't seen a huge amount of is fast attacking heavy support options being taken or transports in that degree so maybe aside from a couple of standouts like a raider but typically we've been seeing a very kind of one-dimensional game so some of the points changes here will hopefully reflect and more variables and more options to become available so you need to start to think a little bit more open-minded and hopefully by the end of this show you're going to see maybe your list in a new light um, one of the things i did last night uh, on with our bt students who are on the gold package that we have they get like a monthly mentoring call. And what we did on Zoom was I went around each and every player and I said, hey, what's your faction? Just remind me. And uh, I said, is there anything you're concerned about? Anything you're, you know, you're happy, you're unhappy about? Um, And just really help people understand maybe ways to look at their list, maybe things to consider when it's from like maybe the secondary point of view. Uh, Some armies have much easier secondaries than others. So therefore their points should be a little bit higher because they score higher on the mission. Because we've got to think about the game in three different ways. Think of it like a triad. You've got like the, obviously, the rules, the, the army rules. You then also got the points. 
Um, and then you also have the mission, and that's kind of the three main factors that allows a force or an army to play or score particularly well. So sometimes things will be pointed more appropriately in order to make sure that uh, it compensates for a mission, for example, or secondary options. So do you always remember that as well? So yeah, obviously change is difficult, but it, on the whole, this is a huge positive thing for the game. And um, hopefully we're going to see a lot more diversity with army lists going forward. Um, I know there's going to be a few people that are going to be looking at the list thinking, okay, well, I can't take my army list anymore, but hey, that's all right. We'll hopefully give you some good options by the end of today uh, as, as the way they look at things. Yeah. Well, and, and just um, as a couple of examples, like, okay, I have to take out my storm surge because it's just not to me cost effective anymore, points effective anymore. Um, and yes, but I'm my, I adjusted my crisis suits uh, a, a little bit. The loadouts changed a little bit, but um, the big thing for me was, like you said, like, People are taking a lot of um, you, you, it forces you to look at your list and look at your codex a little bit, like give it a second look and see. I was already not my broadsides weren't performing well. So taking into con- consideration that broadsides aren't performing well, points updates that are happening. I'm now putting two hammerheads back in, uh, two hammerheads into my list, including long strikes. So I'm going to be shuffling a whole lot of things around. Overall, I'm actually kind of excited about this new list that I'm going to be taking starting after today. So, or after this past weekend. So it, yes, you get, you get a good list, you get comfortable, you got your stuff painted up, you're excited about it. Usually with these points changes, you don't have to do a complete list overhaul either. You no. just, you might have to change 10% of your list. You shouldn't have to, if you have to overhaul 50% of your list, you were probably guilty of spamming something already. And so this is going to force you to, to maybe, stop spamming things or maybe look to something else and play a little bit more of a balanced list, which is what we, we want to encourage. Anyway, we want people to play balanced lists, not just find the thing that's the new hotness and spam the bejesus out of it. Yeah, I agree. No, I think that is a really, really good advice. I mean, if you, if you've been taking, you know, double Maliceptor and double Harpies, then just because that's good and efficient doesn't mean you should take it right it goes back to that ethos that we have right. just because you can doesn't mean you should just because uh crisis suits are good doesn't mean you should spam them and take 15 um right so again i think void weavers you shouldn't does just because you can you know void weavers were good when they first came out doesn't mean you should 3d print up nine of them and throw them on the table yeah i mean if we look at my harlequin list um that i ran and i took it to two gts um two super mages they they were I went undefeated in one. Um, I went four in one in the other. I only lost to Crusher Stampede. I uh, took it to an RTT and won that as well. So um, over all of those, my dark list actually only went up by 30 points because I had two Death Jesters in that list and they both went up 15 points. Yeah. So does that change my game? Not at all. Um, because at the time I looked at the army and thought, everybody's running Star Weavers. I'm not going to do that or Void Weavers. So I won't take any because everybody else is. So what I'll do is look for alternatives. And obviously we've had the balance update and Harlequin Dark has actually been, um, well, I don't know if this is actually a nerf or not, um, because over the all of those tournaments, we, we can talk about that later actually before I go in. So before I get off on topic, we'll stick right. on points. But should we go over the highs and lows, the winners and the losers? Yeah, let's go over winners and losers. Um, and we'll just... We'll, we'll, I'll call out a faction and you, you, you let me know if there's any major winners or losers in it. So, 
Space Marines first. I I know that the uh, Primaris tanks, the Gladiators came down some points. Um, any other major winners, losers? No. So if we go through the the front here, we've got HQs, no changes. Uh, we've got no changes to elites either, as I mentioned before. Um, and then we start to see some fast attack options come down. Things like the land speeders, the Primaris ones, the Outriders came down. Uh, this fire, the fire strike servo turrets have come down. The Gladiator bigger tanks have come down in the heavy support options like the uh, Gladiator Lance or Reaper Valiant. Uh, the Repulsor Executioner land raiders all came down. Um, so mainly those kind of non-core options have come down. The storm raising gunship, the Razorbacks come down. Uh, so that's pretty much your your big take home is your start looking at, at your heavy support options again. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I do want to know, uh, I'm, I'm interested to watch the study of the Firestrike Servo Turret. I want to see how far they have to bring it down before it shows up on a tournament list. That'd be good. Because I love the model. I li- like literally as soon as I saw the model, I'm like, that's amazing. That is perfect. It, it's, a, it's a great little model. It's a great thing to hold a back objective. Oh, it's really expensive. Yeah. So, and, and it doesn't move at all, which, I mean, you don't want a turret to move. It, it shouldn't move. It doesn't make sense for it to move. But for something to park something in a corner and cover an objective would be great. But it's still, I think 80 points is still a little high. But uh, that, that being said, yeah, I'm having all those vehicles come down. Hopefully, we will start seeing a few more Space Marine tanks because there are some cool models. I don't think the, fly, the flyers didn't change. So just the storm raving came down. Um, and then we've got okay. ultramarines, white scars and salamanders. Um, just some of the um, characters, characters came down. Victory scar dropped a little bit. Rebute Gulliman, though, huge winner dropping 80 points. Oh, yes, that's so, right. Big, big winner there. He's, so he, he's now the same amount of points is Abaddon or Abaddon, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, you're right. Abaddon. Yeah. So, He's now down to that 300 point mark, which is cool. Imperial Fist dropped a little bit uh, again on those characters. Black Templars, uh, the Power Fist is free now, which is cool. Um, I needed to check. I know there was a few things that I didn't actually um, basically talk about on the stream. And that was because I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was like a misprint or something or what. So uh, basically, I did get some clarifications, and obviously they are same with the plague marines that we'll come on to later. They are intended, which is really really cool. So um, yeah, there's a couple of things that oh. me and Michael didn't cover, but obviously I just wanted to make sure before I said it that I was getting that information correct rather than reconfirming potentially a typo or something, which which can happen, right? We all make mistakes, but yeah, yeah. So far, yeah, it happens, well, especially yeah. when there's this much information. Yeah, exactly. And black templars, there were actually. I think three or four Black Templars players at the event I was at this past weekend, including um, Seth Piper, who was uh, he's number one in the American Southeast right now. He, you know, he's was he uh, he was close to being top ranked with Necrons last year. He's a great player. Um, he was playing Black Templars this weekend, and that was before these points changes took effect. So I feel like maybe we're going to be seeing a resurgence of Black Templars with all all that they have to offer. Yeah, so basically the Primaris Crusader squad, um, the only thing you have to pay for is the Flamer. Everything else is for free. So like the uh, the Autobolt rifle, the the axe, the fist, the sword, uh, the pyro pistol, it's all free now, which is quite good. It actually makes your list building a little bit more simpler, which is cool. Um, obviously, yeah. you, you still need to write it down that you've taken it, uh, but typically, um, you know, it's going to be free because you just need to make sure that you players on your army list, you're not taking units that you shouldn't be in terms of, 
um, you know, like taking too many, obviously, if you don't have those options. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. So let's see. Uh, Raven Guard on Iron Hands characters came down a little bit. Yeah. Big winner. Your, your My, favorite Blood Angels. I don't know about, a, I don't know about a big winner, but certainly a winner. I mean, we, we had a um, slight adjustment on, I will say, Assault Marines. They get their jump packs for free, so obviously that's from the main Space Marine book. But yeah. then we saw a reduction on Gabriel Seth, who I was actually considering taking anyway. Ashtaraf is den town, den, down 10 points, which I took uh, at a Leicester uh, GT last year, so it's nice to see him coming down. He was a little bit expensive at 150. Um, then Death Company, down two points, which is really cool. So they're down two points. Um, Sanguinary Guard, down two points. Um, so yeah, on the whole, a few little reductions there. And the Bold Predators, down 10. Maybe the Dream's still alive for taking three of those. But the, the, Let the Dream live on. I love the Ball Predator. It needs to see the field someday. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Twin Assault Cannon isn't quite as powerful as it once was um, in, in editions past, but it's still a cool model. It still deserves to be on the table. Yeah. I, but I, I, the reason I think of Blood Angels as being a big winner is because um, Astrath, who's an amazingly cool character, um, comes down a, a few points. But three of your, three of the Blood Angel, I mean, poster children units, Death Company, Sangard, and Assault Marines, all come down just two points a model, which in and of itself is not great. But I mean, with that, usually that should open up enough points between the three of them. If you're taking enough of them, that's going to open up enough points for another unit that should get you all told that should open up your list for probably another hundred extra points. So I say spend on something else from my BAO list. I saved 90 points. Yeah. So maybe it's another squad of tactical Marines or something. Um, yeah. Or an assault or an assault intercession squad. Sorry. No, it wasn't, it wasn't quite 90. It was about 60, 60 points, but then I dropped a oh, couple okay. of things to make it 90 points saving. So I went from like assault intercessors down to tactical Marines. I dropped an assault Marine. So just a few little changes there to open up some points. Uh, but we yeah. can talk about those things uh, on another episode. But we've then got Dark Angels, Azrael and Ezekiel both down 10. Um, Deathwing Knights down four points. So yeah, some really cool options there. Ravenwing, Dark Shroud in the, uh, the land speeders are down a little bit in points there. Space Wolves characters are down, which is cool. Um, a few of those, Arjak, Cannis, um, Ragnar, and then obviously the Hounds, the Reavers are down. Um, they're down the sort of hounds of Morkai. Uh, Skyclaws yes. are down two points because obviously they're the equivalent assault marines. Stormfangs, Stormwolves are down as well. Um, Deathwatch, we just saw the specialist kill teams come down in points, which is cool. Um, so those specialisms when you want to upgrade your units are a little bit cheaper. And then Grey Knights. Yeah, which was nice because I, I always wanted to fit one or two more of those into my lists last year when I was running Deathwatch. And they were just a little pricey, so bringing them all down to five points each is nice. I think it's. I think those are a, they're very well costed now. Yeah, and one of the reasons why we start to see this is what what I'm probably guessing anyway. A lot of these upgrade character unit upgrades are now much cheaper, which means because CPs are less, and you have to pay for your wall trait and relic now, which we'll cover later when we get to the actual Nephilim part of the show. Um, yeah it might be why some of these have come down a little bit so that you can pay, kind of pay for your relics a little bit more in points, which is cool. It means it's easy for a balanced perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, Grey Knights, any major changes? Just the typical ones that we've already spoke about, like those 
uh, land raiders, etc. And then also all of your wisdoms of the prostacanations or cars, whatever they're called. Prognosticars. That's the ones. They're down five points. Yeah. Um, Yeah, all your pointed upgrades. Sisters. uh, The Triumph is down 20. And then most of the little troops are down, like Zephyrin, Zephyrin, Celestians are down. um, I think some exorcists and castigators, immolators. All a little bit cheaper now as well, which is quite cool. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah Shauna, Shauna picked up a full sixty points on her list as well because between the Sacrosins coming down and the Sisters Repentia coming out, she put, she picked up sixty points this weekend. That's nice. So, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think I think she's going to shuff, shuffle a couple of things around and put another Rhino in her list. Yeah, so good option. Or just another unit of Battle Sister is always good for fifty five points. Yeah. Um. Then Custodes. Custodes kind of got. Kind of got kicked. Well, here's the interesting one. Not bad. Um, Trajan up 40 points. Now, you think, oh, you know, 40 points for Trajan extra. He's still worth it at 200 points. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He was he was grossly undercosted at 160. He's still undercosted. I'm, I won't say grossly, but still undercosted, I think, at 200 points. Because for everything that he does... Compare him to other named characters that are supposed to be on his level. Bobby G, Abaddon, I mean, um, Morvan Vall. Like, he's still a good 40 to 60 points under what most of his quote-unquote peers are costed at. So, he's he's still a bargain. So, people, Cassotti's players that are gnashing their teeth and tearing their clothes out in the streets, if that's actually happening. Uh, at 200 point, at a 40 point increase, pump your brakes. Yeah. You're okay. I think, you know, it will, it will actually start to see a bit more diversity in HQ options now rather than just Trajan. So again, we're just looking for a good internal balance here, uh, which I think you know, this, this book starts to have, uh, for the custodes, um, on their points values, the, the dreadnoughts that were really efficient. They've gone up a little bit as well from the four draw section, just to know. Um, so yeah, I think custodes now are, the balance is good with the army in terms of its points. Um, and what I really like is that obviously there has been some quite substantial changes to the balance update for custodes. Um, but what I've really enjoyed seeing is actually how Admech, some of their changes have now been removed. So we may see that yes. in the future. So custode players, if you're out there, don't feel like this is another, oh, my, you know, my army's gone up in points again or whatever it might be. This is another nerf to the army. Games Workshop hate us. They really don't. And the other reason why is secondaries now in the new Nephilim mission pack are much harder to score. So we're going to start to see much lower scoring games. The reason why Custodes are quite expensive is actually because they do not give up any secondary choices so therefore when your opponent gets to the table and they've only got two good secondary options and how many people do you speak to dave and you're like what secondaries do you take well i take engage and i take knackmond or retrieve nephilim data uh, and then i just pick depending on what my opponent is you're playing custodes right. what are you taking oh, uh, um yeah uh, uh, assassinate cool you can have seven points if you kill them <laughs> yeah if you get lucky enough to kill them. So, and that's exactly the thing with Custodes is that they just deny secondary so well. Um, so that needs to be factored in. We've got to think about the tri-factor. Points, rules, mission. And the mission part 
they deny so, so well. Um, they've also got some quite good secondary options, which are okay. They've kind of got their own version of Stranglehold. Um, obviously, Stranglehold is no longer in the game anymore. We'll cover that. But again, they've kind of got their own, which is quite nice. So I'm interested to see as to how custody players go about this new challenge, having to find 40 points in their list. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the meta and how they shake out over the next three months. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we will finally not just see the triple threat of Trajan, Shield Captain on Jet Bike, and Shield Captain in Terminator Armor. Like, you guys have a couple other character models. I'll take Triple Blade Champ if it was me, but anyway. That's me. Yeah. Blade Champs. Yep. Uh, Aphysia Assassinorum. Assassins stayed the same. Nothing changed there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some new rules on those guys because I want to see assassins back on the table. Besides, just I know you were running the Colexus a lot last year, but uh, I've got an assassin that will start coming back on the table very soon. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay, cool. When we get to the seg- segment about like practical implications of everything combined together. Yeah. Okay. Astra Militarum, uh, Strachan, I believe, or Yarrick went up five. I think it was Yarrick went up five points. Um, he's, he, you know, he's always two, two baller. Um, infantry squads obviously all their weapons are free and then we saw a lot of that kind of continuation across this book uh, things like the um, sentinels went up a little bit in points but then all their weapons are free and all their upgrades are free so go to town on dozer blades um, yeah so all in all guard did a riot out of this book um, then on to and I gotta say real quick guard are, are for all the people that are having a fit about guard being in a bad place guard are doing just fine i played against the guard list this weekend and them having indirect and having a couple of these those i don't remember what they're called the gun carriages i think it was a forge might have been a forge world unit but he had four of those quad gun indirect things parked way on the back edge of the table and just bombing on my guys the entire game was obnoxious and so Guard is in an actually in a, in a in a lot better place, I think, than people want to give them credit for at the moment. Since they have the since they have the the golden exception to the indirect fire rule, and they got some more that, buffs so. as well. So yeah, but hey, Dave, let's keep it moving on, mate. Before we get into the good yeah. stuff, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on, Admech. So, um, Electro Priests and Rust Stalkers down in points. Cerberus Raiders down in points. So basically, some of the increases that they saw when Admech were really proficient, just coming back maybe closer to their Codex original element, which is cool. I like, I like to see that. Uh, Admech, um, I think, kind of fell out of favor a little bit. I think there was a lot of hatred towards Admech at the time. Yeah, um, they got a lot of, they got a lot of uh, negative feedback after. They, they really did. So, um, and obviously their win rate then obviously dropped, but then also you've got to, this is a bit of a problem, I think. Sometimes what can happen is all of the, most competitive players, let me pick my words carefully here, most of the most competitive players that simply look for the efficiencies in lists, what they do is they go, well, Admech are really strong, I'll play Admech. And in those players, they're also good players as well. Don't get me wrong. They then look at other armies and go, oh, Crusher Stampede, that's real efficient, I'll go and play that next. So what they end up doing is moving away from a faction, whereas if they would have remained with Adeptus Mechanicus, maybe their win rate would have as an army, been lifted by some of those top players still remaining on those factions, rather than maybe jumping to others like Tau or Eldar or uh, Nids that also become a little bit more efficient at the time. So 
I would have loved to see a season where you maybe have to nominate two factions and you have to stick with those all year. I think that'd be really interesting to see from a balanced perspective where factions are out. Um, I actually think Admech are a sleeper faction, but we'll continue and move on. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we can move on. Because um, I have some thoughts to agree with you, but Imperial Knights, they just got a new book. I don't think they had any points changes. Nope. Yeah. Um, Inquisition, nothing changed there. Kyria Draxus is still 85 points, which my, makes my wife happy. Didn't have to mess with that part of her list. Uh, Chaos Base Marines, the points listed here are just mirror what's in the codex? Yep. Okay. So nothing in there. Uh, Death Guard. Death Guard were, had, were some... We're, some, we're one of the big winners in this. Huge, huge winner. Um, so one of them, the most, well, the first one that I was unsure of to begin with was now the, the Plague Marine weapons. Their weapons are free. Free weapons, everybody. Wow. I love free guns. That's why I live in Georgia. Oh, wait, sorry. So, um, yeah, basically, yeah, troops, great option now. Uh, Poxwalkers came down a little bit as, as well in points. Blightlord Terminates came down. Death Shroud came down. Land Raiders came down. Malefic Blight Haulers down. Float Bloat Drones down. Down 15 points. I mean, when you're taking three of them, that's just 45 point saving. That's huge. Um, oh, yeah. So I think now you just go to town on... I would love... No, actually, I wouldn't even love to say what I would love... No, I'm not even going to say what I was about to say because I don't want to encourage that sort of behavior. Um... Plague Ghost Crawl is down 15, um, and then also the Deadly Pathogens down. Mortarian down 40 points as well, putting him at uh, 450. So Death Guard, we're going to see, unfortunately, a lot of Death Guard on the tables. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a serious Death Guard resurgence. I hate We have a couple VT coaches who are (laughs) already salivating to get their list back on the table. I mean, I hate Death Guard simply because of... um, it just turns off all my charging bonuses of Blood Angel. It's like, oh, it's just yeah. fighting after me now. Cool. No plus one to, for you wound anymore, Steve. And all of our all of my weapons that are two damage now become one damage. So me seeing Death Guard on the table doesn't excite me, but that's simply my personal bias. But cool for uh, cool for those players that love Death Guard. It'd be nice to see yeah. the faction back on the table. Yes. Thousand Sons. Um, yeah, a few different changes here on Hellbrutes, Land Raiders, but everything else kind of okay. They actually performing pretty well uh, as a whole in terms of a faction. Some of their Legion commands down five points and then also Magnus down 30. So great to see those elements um, because it the, the faction started to definitely improve with Armor of Contempt. It was a, you know, a, a good winner for Armor of Contempt. Um, oh, absolutely. So again, then I think it'll be Thousand Suns are an okay spot. Yeah, I think Thousand Suns are in a, are a pretty, pretty good spot right now. I, uh, I, I like the fact that Hellbrutes come out because I think Hellbrutes are, I mean, they are the, they're the answer to Dreadnoughts, and yet we're, we see Dreadnoughts left, right, and center still in Space Marine lists, but uh, Hellbrutes were nowhere to be seen, so bringing them down in cost, I, I think, is going to hopefully put some more of them on the table. I think they're a, they are, they're a sleeper unit that people should be putting some more attention into. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see a lot more thousands. There were something like 7,000 on this player, five or 7,000 on this players at the event I was at this weekend, too, so they're, they're coming back. Uh, all right, but Chaos Demons. Mm. Did Belcor change? Zero changes. Zero changes. Okay, I thought Belcor had come down twenty or something, but I guess not. Okay, so no changes to Demons. Chaos Knights, nothing because they just had a book come out. Eldari. 
Ezriani and Unrath. Okay, so here's the thing with Eldar. Very, very strong book. Um, now, obviously, what we first of all saw was the point changes, and then we see the balance update the day after that, which is why we're covering points first. So, majority of the uh, Exarchs went up. Sorry, not the Exarchs, the, um, the Phoenix Lords have gone aspect. up. Yeah, Aspect Lords. Oh, no, the Phoenix Lords changed. Phoenix Lords up roughly 10 points. Yep. Baharoth went up a little bit more than that, because obviously everybody was taking Baharoth. Um, and then we saw a few other... Because broken. Yeah. Then we saw a few other increases on some of the other HQ options. Um, unfortunately, the Yanari characters went up too, but hey, that is what it is. I think they were probably fine where they were, personally, um, as a Yanari player, but I think, you know, obviously just sort of bringing it in line with everything else is fine. Uh, the book is yeah. still good. Um, then we've also got the option of... Um, now, there might be a reason why, just thinking about this, Yanari is an interesting way of taking different units without spending more points on detachments. So maybe that's why, because it's a slight tax for having the flexibility of having, um, obviously, Harlequins and Eldari in an army, because now CPs are much more um, scarce. Paying two CPs for a patrol detachment of Harlequins might not be as appealing. So that'll be quite interesting to see how that shakes out. So then we saw um, the Dire Avengers go up in points. Obviously, everyone was taking them. Fire Dragons, all the Aspect Warriors are basically up in points. Wraiths kind of stayed the same. A couple of the vehicles went up. Uh, Stand Firm, the, the things that basically the Exarch powers everybody took in every single list, gone up. Shining Spears stayed the same, but just their Exarch power went up. Wind, um, Swooping Hawks went up. And then the Wind Riders, Shuriken Cannon went up. Uh, sorry, the Scatter Laser went up as well. So I think on the whole... Eldar players, you'll probably lose about 10% of your army, but you should be fine because you've got some really good secondary choices. Um, I remember using, you know, the Eldar in the secondaries, having access to all of them. Um, it's really, really strong. Um, and when I, before when I was like, typically what I do, um, I have got like my own way of sort of trying to see how balanced the codex is. I'll often take, this is before even the new changes, I'd often take all the faction secondaries at the same time to see what happens and see which one is easier to score than others. Um, yeah, and I, I always felt Azriani's secondaries were pretty good on the whole, so I think they're in a good place. Yeah. Uh, actually, the only one that didn't get touched, which I was kind of surprised at, was the Webway Gate. Um, that's, I think that's hands down the strongest fortification in the game. So, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it got used to good effect against you in at BAO, and I've you know I've seen other people use it really well. So it's a I, I think I, I I don't want it to be nerfed out off the game. I like seeing the Webway Gate on the table. I like the the dynamic flexibility that it gives to Eldari players. So although, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think any of the points changes should be bothering any of the the uh, Azriani players uh, much because they already have such a strong codex. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, funny, the Webway Gate, uh, I was talking to um, obviously one of our coaches, Ben Jones. He was laughing at me when I was playing on stream because I was using the Webway Gate to my. I was like, so I can set to defend here, right? Because it's heavy cover, or I can get. Um, uh, it's defendable, sorry. Or I was getting the light cover benefits. So I was basically using, as a Blood Angel player, the Webway Gate to my own advantage. And then I just plonked my death company in the middle. So it meant they had to be embarked. 
or they have to be set up in combat with my death company. So it's a great way if you're playing against Webwaygate, stick a combat unit in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And get the benefits of it. Yeah, flip the script on on the player. So, yeah. For sure. So maybe it's an eighty point trap. Who knows? Okay, so moving on. Moving on. Uh oh, Quint. Harlequins. The only real changes here that we haven't seen already before is the Death Jester went up seventy points. He went up seventy points? Sorry, went up. No, two, he went up to seventy points. Went up to seventy points. Yeah, he was fifty-five, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um. So Drakari, not a huge amount of changes. Obviously, they're okay at the moment. Just witches have come down a little bit, and that's about it. Yeah, and seeing witches come down is good because they're a great unit, and and we've seen them in the recent months. Kind of everything has been sort of pushed aside it, for to the exclusion of Rax and and all the homunculus uh, coven units. Yeah, they become so, a little bit less effective with Armor of Contempt, so it's cool to see them come down a point. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then... Oh, the other big winner here. Although it's more from the data slate than the points, I think. But still, big winner, Necrons. This is probably the biggest winner combined with the balanced up yeah. update and the points. But all of their characters down, um, Immortals down, all the Katans have come down by like 50 points. It's crazy. Uh, many of the elite choices from Triac Stalkers to Lich Guard to Death Marks, uh, Destroyers are down. Um, fast Attack option like Tomb Blades are down. So many options are down. The, all the heavy supports, all the Lord of Wars. I mean, the whole thing is just cheaper. Even the Silent King, who was an auto take, has come down 20 points. So the Flyers are down. Literally, if it's got an option, it's probably cheaper. Even the Cryptek Arcana. They're down five points. It's just savings all round on the on the Necrons at the moment. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, your your Necron just the body count on a Necron list is going to go up something like ten fifteen percent. So it's actually um, easier to list what stayed the same than it is you know what what changed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. huge huge winner, uh, and we'll cover why later. Answer by the way, if you're wondering what didn't change in the Necron Codex. Um, it just the convergence of dominion. I'm just kidding. There's probably something else, but uh, the fortification didn't change. Uh, you um, sure? I'm pretty sure that came down to. Yeah, that, oh, actually, okay. that actually dropped uh, 20 points. So yeah. Oh, here I was trying to be funny and I was yeah, stupidly wrong. That's what I get for talking. <laughs> All right. So, um, orcs. Okay. Orcs. Another big winner. Yeah, not too bad, actually. Um, just sort of some of their options coming down to maybe more their codex points. Uh, we saw like the Beast Boss uh, on Squigasaur come down, uh, which is nice. Gretchen are down, Boys are down, Beast Nagger Boys, Burner Boys, Commandos. Basically, all your types of Boys are down, and then the Kill Rig as well, um, which is cool because, um, you know, we've obviously seen a different type of build to maybe what we're used to in 8th edition or 7th edition with Orcs, so it's nice to see Boys being cheaper, to see a lot more on the on the table. We'll see a lot more Boys, and again, with a balance update help, again, it will really reinforce seeing more Boys on the table. Rocket Truck's down points as well, obviously, with Indirect being slightly nerfed So, uh, in the previous update. So, again, nice little balance update here for Orcs. I'm excited to get an Orcs back on the table. Yeah, I'm excited to see a few more. And, and if you're going to play an Orcs, if you, as an Orcs player, I think the idea is you want to put a lot more boys on the table. You want to be swarming the table. And so this is going to make it, all the stuff that came down is going to allow that swarming effect to happen. So, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Here we go. Tau. Hold on to your seats. Ouch. Yep. You I'm some, barely sitting right now. Do you need some tissues or anything here? I, I, it hurts to sit right now. That's what I'm 
Do you want some French fries to go with your salt? <sighs> Chips? I'm not salty. I'm actually not salty because, I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm a little bummed because a couple of, like, I, 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 was, I was comfortable. Because it's like we were saying before we started this. I was, I was getting my list to a, what I thought was a decent place, and I was getting a little complacent. And so now I have to not be quite so lazy. So I'm not, I'm actually not salty. The only thing I'm really bummed about is my beloved Storm, uh, uh, storm Surgers we'll get to. It was a, a, the model I have. I love it. It was a gift to me from my, my mother-in-law. May she rest in peace. And I loved, um, I loved that model. I was very excited to have it. I was very excited to build it. It's such a Robotech style poster child centerpiece. I loved it, but it's back on the shelf, unfortunately. But, um, well, then still take it, Dave. Eh, no, 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 no. At 410 points, no, 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 no. It does not do, it does not have, there's, I mean, I have my, my, um, uh, my consolation, my, my, my fun unit, which is my Tidewall shield line, which blessedly did not get touched. But no, the Storm Surge at 410 points, a 70 point upgrade. It is not even close to efficient anymore. When most of the guns are AP zero or AP one and the big cannon, at, at at anything at you know having any kind of range on it, the blast cannon is at neg four or neg two, but most of the most of the shots you know that you're putting out are are neg two or everything else is neg one or zero. The with with armor of contempt, the output is not nearly good enough. Nope, 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 nope. So I have to. It's gonna have to go back on the shelf at least for a little bit. Um, but I can cover this one. Cold Star commanders uh, and enforcer commanders went up ten points. Um, you, you, troops you, got your named characters went up as well, like your named un, characters. Un yeah, Unvar. Yeah, Anshai, Anshi, Anvar went up. Uh, Farsight went up. Um, I don't think I know Shadow Sun went up. Um, Dark Strider stayed the same. There's, so there's that. Long Strike, I think, went up five. I stayed the same. Long Strike stayed the same. Crisis Suits went up ten points. Um, most of their weapon upgrades remain the same, but plasma rifles, which let's be honest, were a major offender of, uh, the spamming plasma rifles went up five points across the board. So it's instead of being five, 10, 15 for one, two, and three, it is now 10, 15 and 20. Um, shield, uh, shield drones, um, went up from, uh, 12 points to 15 points. Um, gun drones for some reason went up from eight to 10, maybe just to have round numbers. Um, that's if you look at the book, it certainly looks like it's that direction, right? It's f- numbers of five. It's easier to count. So uh, yeah, and and I don't yeah. think you know no one's going to be like, oh no, I'm never taking a gun drone again because it's two points more. So um, right on the whole, there, I think that's fine. So I think if we just you know really wrap up the tau in terms of synopsis, crisis, and obviously the bodyguards in regular battle suits are both forty points yep. each now, so they've gone up ten points per model, and then obviously yep. the most spammed weapons are now up as well. So yep, and broadsides and broadsides went up from seventy five to eighty five points a model, so they went up ten. Yeah. So on oh. the whole, I think what well, this hopefully is encouraged a little bit more use of maybe other units, um, such as things like the you know the Riptide Ghost Kills maybe. Um, so it'll be in- interesting to see where this book shakes out, and then what happens then with future balance updates and points, um, depending on how this faction now performs um, over the next few months. It'll be really quite telling to see. Um, you know, maybe some of this stuff might get adjusted again. Who knows? Um, and obviously, yeah. if the win rate of the army drops too low, it'll get adjusted. So, yeah. you know, it's all about trying to find the balance and the happy medium. It's never going to be done in one go. 
So sometimes it's going to take maybe an adjustment and subtle adjustments after that, like what we've seen with, let's say, Blood Angels or other armies that have got nerfed in the past. And then it's sort of creeping back to maybe more, um, you know, fairer place for that faction, which is cool. So yeah. next up, obviously, another kind of loser, as it were, in brackets, uh, we've got the Nids here. Now, obviously, the Nids are were absolutely perif- uh, prolific at the tournament scenes. Um, oh yeah, they were they were averaging a something like a seventy three percent win rate uh, average um, at events. So they they were everybody knew that they were teed up for for the nerf bat, and it came a swing in for them too. And and Dave, yeah. I think if it wasn't for probably uh, Kyle, the Nid Hunter, and me defending yes. ba- and me defending Ball at every opportunity. Uh, to the uh, Nids invasion, um, they might have been on like a ninety-nine percent win rate. So uh, it's yeah. very possible. It's very possible. Tyranid, Tyranids, and the Tyranid Codex is still very strong. You're just going to see ten percent less of certain things, and and certain units are not going to get spammed like they were. Which, which, like you said, just like with with Tau, um, Crisis suits were being spammed, and so now they're going to be spammed a little less. And certain units in Tyranids, which we're going to talk about, will be spammed a little less. So. It's great. I think, you know, the big boys like the Hive Tyrants are up 20. Um, then Death Leaper up 25 points. Death Leaper is the most most crazy data sheet I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, him going up He 20- is the most broken, not broken model in the game. He's just awesome. I still don't get why he isn't in everybody's list. He's, Death Leaper is stunningly cool. And he, but he's definitely pointed appropriately now. He could still go up. I mean, no he's still. If I'm taking nids, he's an auto include. Yeah, I'll take three if I could. That he's that good for his points. Um, Maliceptor up fifty points. So this is one of those that we probably will see less spam of. Is the Maliceptor? Maybe we see one now. Yeah. Uh, we've also seen some balance updates to affect the Maliceptors in terms of you know how much psychic powers they can do, which is really good to see those changes. Pyrovores up ten. Still good at that option. Warriors up five. Still very cheap for 35 points. Uh, Raven is only up to 35 points. Again, still very cheap. I think so. Carnifex is up a little bit, which is cool. Exocrine's up. Screamer Killers, Thornbacks, all the different types of Carnifexes are up. Um, and then also the Harpy up 15 points and the Heavy Venom Cannon up as well. So good to see those up. Um, so on the whole, I think, you know, Bit of a I still think I still think warriors and, and raveners can can afford to go up another five each, but you know yeah time, or, time will time will tell on that one or but, maybe their weapons um, or something you know that there, there could be some options there so that'll be interesting yeah. now to see where that sort of starts to go in terms of the army um and obviously we've got Kel space Marines out on now which is cool so that'll shake shake things up a little bit um oh for sure so everybody everybody that that um was a that's a net lister just went oh tyranids meh Chaos Space Marines, hi. So, yeah, we're gonna. We're. I think that. I think that you're gonna see a meta shift, just popularity wise. Chaos Space Marines, and it, I, I heard somebody say over the weekend that the game is always better when Chaos Space Marines are strong, and I think that's true. And I think this Codex is gonna prove that point. So I'm excited to see Chaos Space Marines, but I think we're gonna definitely gonna see some defectors from Tau and Tyranids are gonna move on to the new hotness too. Wait, the thing is with. Chaos Space Marines looking at the Codex. Um, we'll do a full review on that as well, on my opinion on it. But um, And obviously Dave will be interested to hear your thoughts as somebody that you know I'm discussing it with you. So um, 
I don't know if they're absolutely broken or anything. So I think the book's in a good place. So I don't think people will run Chaos because it's necessarily the new broken hotness. Like sometimes no, but it's just going to be the new popularity. People are going to say, "All right, Tyranids was an easy win." They're yeah. going to move on to the thing that at least is that other people are not prepared for yet. Yeah, and also it's going to be so fun. There's so many cool combinations in that book. It's a really, really exciting codex. Um, so if you are a you know long term Chaos uh, Space Marine player, you're going to be so happy with this codex. I think. So the last yeah. faction we need to cover is Genius Cult. They have remained the same, which is cool because I think they're actually quite good. I think they're a good army in a good place. Yeah. They, I wish that we saw them more often represented. I have actually never played against Gene Steeler Cult yet, ever. And I, it's a hard um, army to collect, though, Dave, isn't it? It's a lot of models. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of models. There's a lot of variety. There's 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 a little bit of hero hammer involved, but there's also there's a lot of small vehicles. So it's it's a difficult army to collect. And I think that they've got, if you really put in the time to learn the crossfire rule and all that kind of stuff, they could be really good, but I just don't see a lot of people. Dustin Henshaw from uh, the Thursday show. I know he's a huge fan and there's, you know, there's a couple the, there's the GSC diehards out there, but most people are not putting the time and the effort into a, get it painted and b really learn it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, unfortunately the, uh, for those who are wondering, um, no, the, the points on the sky shield landing pad have not come down yet. Um, Okay, so, so all right, that's enough for points updates. We won't worry about Forge World because we got to move this move this ship along, and let's talk the balanced data slate. Okay, so obviously we'll cover literally what has changed. Uh, if you haven't listened to our last on the balance update, then um, obviously you know do make sure you you know go and check that one out because obviously keep you up abreast with everything that's been changed so far. Uh, so we will just literally cover. What is in this new one? Um, and we see a lot of love for factions again. Um, now, slight changes to Armor of Contempt, which is basically worse than the AP by one. Now it applies to Astrum Militarum vehicles, which is cool because it didn't apply yeah. to them. So now it does. Lehman Rust tanks just got that little bit harder to kill. Yeah. Like I said, that's, that was part of why I said earlier that Astrum Militarum are in a good place now. Because getting Armor of Contempt on all the Lehman Rust tanks and all their other Hellhounds and all the other vehicle, I mean, that includes Sentinels and Scout Sentinels, too. So all of these things getting um, Armor of Contempt is is a nice little buff to, to Imperial Guard. Yeah. Um, so as a faction, though, um, then Adeptus Orator stayed the same. Um, Astra Militarum, yeah, I believe everything else here is kind of what we're already, what we've already seen before. The element about the yeah. points has been removed because obviously that's now in the points, which is good. I think they 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 reworded Hammer of the Emperor slightly, but it still does the same thing. They just reworded it to clarify it. Um, Admech were 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 a subtle, quiet winner in this one because um, they it's not what they added; it's what they took out. Yeah, the, the the data slate they deleted the rule that took away core from Iron Strider, Balistari, and Dragoons. the um, and the Dragoons. So uh, the chicken walkers are now have their core word restored to them. So this, like you mentioned earlier, this is a evidence that GW is not afraid to reverse course. If they make a change in a balanced data slate and then find it was too much or find that with, with changes to the, to the game as a whole, it's, it's okay to take that change out. They'll delete something. So iron striders 
um, and and all the chicken walkers get their their core back, which is a nice. I think it's good. I think I think having that back is 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 valuable for them. Yep. So Azarani up next. Uh, big change because obviously there was no changes on Drakari. Uh, Azarani up up next. We've got Hail of Doom. Um, you cannot select this basically craft world if you've selected any other far flung craft world attributes. So you can't basically stack Hail of Doom and ignore cover anymore. So which is good. Yeah. Yeah, no more Hail of Doom, Master of Shots is gone. It's just Hail of Doom. Yeah. Which well, is strong enough on its own. You don't need help. Oh, it's ridiculously strong. Yeah. Still very, very good. Um, yeah. then we've got Eldritch Storm here. So this is interesting because it says change the psychic action described in the Eldritch Storm because you basically need to use it in the command phase. Now the way it was wording, some people got a little bit kind of rules is written on it and they were like, oh, but you don't even need to actually perform the action. But you do. Okay, you still need to actually do the action with a Farseer to, for this to actually happen. Um, so Eldritch Storm, now any number of Farseer models uh, from your army, that visibility at the center of the market you place can attempt to perform this action. So why does it say any number? Well, first of all, because one of them might fail it, so then obviously another one can try it to do it because you've already spent the CPs. So at the start of your shooting phase, roll 1d6 for each unit within six of the center uh, that you placed on a four-up that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. That marker is then removed. You can only use this stratagem once. Before, I believe it was on a two-up, and then for each Farsi that did it, you added one to the amount of mortal wounds. So before, it was absolutely crazy. It's been toned down a bit, which is really, really good. Uh, so on the whole, yeah. a much better balance. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is a much more reasonable... It's still the best, for lack of a better term, version of an orbital bombardment in the game, um, but it is much more reasonable. Yeah. So then we've got change the sentence for the matchless agility stratagem. So now after rolling the D6 to determine how far you move, um, you know, you roll that D6. Okay. So rather than um, it used to just be auto six. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure what that one did. You can just re-roll it basically if you don't like it. So um, yeah. So if you, let's say roll a one and you needed something high, you can just re-roll it. All right. Yep. And then fire and fade is now a once per game stratagem. Yeah, which would also affect Harlequins as well because they have access to it. Yeah. So next up, Space Marines. Um, no change. No change. That was already there. Yeah. Now change here on Chaos Space Marines because Iron Warriors basically had Armor of Contempt when it was written. Um, so now it's changed now because it was basically they had Salamander wording. So that's kind of why they got the same Salamander change as well. So oh, okay. You, got it. You that cannot, makes sense. You cannot, re-roll, you cannot re-roll the wound roll, all right, against Iron Warriors. So, Death Guard, um, still the same as they were. Uh, Nids, got a bit of a change here as well. Um, so, add the following to the Rare Organisms attachment. If your army contains one or more Hive Tyrant models, one of them must be selected as the Warlord, because a lot of people, what they were doing was giving the um, like other units, like the Xenophrobes, whatever it is, the big brain bug, the Warlord trait. Um, so, again, it, it's making... You know, one of those hive tyrants of warlord trick, which which is right. You you have to do that. It's more thematic. Yeah. Um. Next up, we've then got replace the first paragraph with the synaptic imperative. Um. While your warlord's on the bet, so this is where the slight changes. As long as everything's from the same hive fleet, etc. Then while your warlord is on the battlefield, synapse units from your army have a synaptic imperative ability, depending on which one is currently active. Therefore, if you lose your hive tyrant and your hive tyrant has to be your warlord then no more imperative for you. So the Hive Tyrant has to be kept safe. You can't just go and throw him away willy-nilly 
because then you'll lose your synaptic imperative. Um, and obviously he can be targetable. So um, yeah, you've got to watch out for that. Yeah. So you're, you can have your, your walk rent hanging out in the backfield to, to protect your synaptic imperatives. Or, you know, if you really want to be gutsy, make your, uh, make your winged hive tyrant, your warlord and send him on forward. Yeah, exactly. But you're going to be gambling with that. Yeah. Uh, and then in match play, um, you cannot swap out your adaptive uh, adaptation at the start of the battle. So you do it during the mustering army step rather than um, before you could do it at the tabletop, which, um, you know, is fine for match play. We'll see how Nid shake out. I think the book's still really, really strong. Uh, that was a really cool element, I think. And, and obviously very much, yeah. it's, it's the real nice narrative part of the book. Um, yeah. But again, you can still play it in narrative or just maybe local pickup games. Um, but obviously in match play tournaments, then obviously that's, uh, you've got to do that on your army roster. All right. Tau, pretty much the same, I believe. Yep. Nothing changed there. Okay. Necrons. I still, I still think that, I still think taking the minus one AP away from Mont was, especially in, in light of, of armor of contempt was. But then providing armor of contempt goes up to ignore minus two, then we're fine then. Okay. You can have your extra AP. Yeah, give me my AP back. Wait, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> Armoring Contempt ignores right. the first one and two AP, yeah? Yeah. No? no, just give us the one AP back and then leave your armor. Can you have your armor of contempt? Because when I shoot at things and they don't die because they get, you know, the their save. full armor save. Oh, how dare they? Right, Necrons. Okay. Quite a lot of changes here. Quite a lot. Now, I'm not sure exactly what was from the last ones. Um, so we'll go over it all. Okay. So ch- command yeah. protocols replace a noble keyword with all Necron's characters, which is really nice. Replace the last sentence um, until the end of the command protocol step being active while a unit is eligible to benefit from it on the battlefield. That unit becomes from its selected uh, directive. Um, I think that starts to get around some of the range with Necrons. It's been a while since I actually looked at the uh, the command protocol element of Necrons. Yeah, I think you, you had to be within range of um the noble, a, a noble or character a noble yeah. noble character whatever to get your command protocol so now they've done away with that mm-hmm. then also in addition um with the units from the army that from the same dynasty obviously except for katan shards etc select one command protocol that has not been assigned to a battle round um that command protocol is active in every battle round in addition to the assigned to that battle round select which directive from your army it will benefit from the start of your battle round so again, I need to look into this in a little bit more uh, detail. I don't know about you, Dave, if that makes much sense to you, but I, I probably should have read this before we did this, actually. Yeah, I, I forgot that there was this big change to, to command protocols, and it's um, it, it reads, because it's very wonky, and if you're not a, a Necron player, you're going to go cross-eyed. So um, it basically you have a lot more, the, the short, short version for everybody listening is there's a lot more flexibility now with command protocols um, because it was... Uh, unlike Marshall Kataz and some of those other abilities, pre-game abilities that you could choose or, or pre-turn super doctrines that you could choose, now that you, before you had to preset everything in a certain order and you had to take them in that order, now you've got a, a lot more flexibility. Yeah, which is so. good. But the big one, yeah. the big one that I think everyone's talking about now is you add the core keyword to the basically following data sheets. Canoptic. Everything. Everything. Let's just say everything, yeah. Um, all Necron vehicle data sheets is the big change here. Yeah. Which also includes the Silent King. So he is now core. And the monolith. Is core. 
Yep. Wow. Oh, wow. Necrons, you just got crazy spicy. Yep. I, I was having debates with people who were texting me over the weekend. My best friend from California was texting me. Uh, so, because we're supposed to play a TTS game on this weekend uh, for my birthday. And he's like, uh, so does this mean I can use Veil of Darkness on a monolith? God, I hope not. Well, I believe... But yes, technically it does. But... I think Veil of Darkness still specifies infantry model. Uh, it does. So... Um, and, it, and, and it also says the, the unit that... It goes with it has to arrive wholly within six inches, and you cannot wholly fit a monolith within six inches of a. Well, it's not infantry, is it? So yeah, although, infantry, but I, either yeah. so so two ways it two there's two different ways it doesn't work. So basically, no. So um, yeah, so yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out. Um, oh, but Necron players, you should be very very happy. Now, um, orcs up next. Or orcs, orcs are they 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 got some they got some nice stuff here. Yeah. Strap in orc players. Here you go. So when you call the warg, you get a basically a five plus invulnerable save in stage one, and then in stage two you get a six plus invulnerable save. So again, we're going to see a lot more boys on the table now. I really think so. Um, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and those and those boys are going to stick around a little longer. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's very good. Harlequins, the luck dice got changed. You now start with zero. Used to start with three, uh, so now there are not many rerolls going around. So you can only the ones you can gain are the ones you can gamble, but that is it. Okay, uh, in yeah. luck dice, away you basically swap out CP rerolls for just your luck dice. Um, then we've also got the other change that changed was lights at eighth. Um, now it's more than eighteen away. You can't be hit on a one to three. Uh, before it used to be um, one to two. Now, uh, sorry, before it used to be twelve inches away. Now it's eighteen, so that's gone up by six inches. Um, and then the dark sedate. So dark sedate used to be if you hadn't already fought, then you can fight when you die. Okay. Now it's just each time you're destroyed, roll one d six. After the attacking model has finished making its attacks, okay, uh, it suffers one mortal wound. Yeah, to a max of six. So. You and I were talking the other day as to whether or not this is more or less efficient than the old way. So yeah, after the, um, I actually did a complete kill count of everything I fought killed in death. It was half a custodian uh, biker, one custodian bike, um, one uh, custodian dreadnought, but in fairness that was done by my troop master, which you can still spend two CPs to do anyway. So that's, characters can fight in death regardless for two CPs. Um, then you've got Five Banshees I killed and ten Wolfguard. And remember, I did two GTs and also a um, uh, an RTT. So typically when you go on the charge, you kill whatever you charge. And everything you don't kill kills you, right? So if you make the charge and you swing, then you don't, you don't get to fight anyway because obviously, um, you know, you've already fought. Now, if you kill me back, Dave, I'll do mortal wounds to you. So against things like when I was getting charged by harpies or whatever else, fly rinse from the crusher game, where me fighting in death does nothing because I'm only strength four, now I'm actually doing mortal wounds to you back. So, and that's even if I fight, remember. So that's actually Dark Sedaith players, it's more of a sidestep rather than a nerf. Um, I wouldn't say yeah. it's better. I wouldn't necessarily say it's worse. It's just different. It's actually better in your harder matchups, worse in your good matchups. There's more of a sidestep. Think of it like that. All right. And that's a balance update. 
Cool. And that takes us all the way to Warzone Nephilim. And so now with all of that information that we have dumped on you guys, now the practical application. Press pause, run to the bathroom, refill your water glass, do what you got to do. Sign up for the Academy. Sign up for the Academy. Grab a beer. Come back. Press play. Let's do this. We'll wait. All right, good, you're back. <laughs> uh, now, we are going to talk about all things Warzone Nephilim. Yes. All the massive changes to all of the map layouts. There weren't any. Um, and the big difference, which is going to be all of the secondaries. Yes. Yeah, so... But first of all, before we get into the secondaries, we'll cover the biggest changes from the book. So, for example, the first one is that you can now take any secondary from your codex um, or your, from your codex factions, and they are basically now written in this book. So the book in itself is brilliant. You get all your cool rules in there. You also get all your secondaries and all the secondaries people, other people can take as well. So you can get a bit clued up on what everybody else can take. So you don't have to go and buy every single codex now. You can just what, uh, read and, um, you know, obviously listen to this, which is great. So everything's in this one book. Then um, the other thing that's in here is not only can you take any secondary that you actually have access to, providing they're in a different category like we've normally seen, like Battlefield Supremacy or whatnot, um, you also get default secondaries, Dave. I don't know if you noticed that default secondaries. Yeah, I saw that, which is which is an interesting choice. It sort of um, if you if you're not real familiar with competitive play, or you're just you know not quite sure what to take, you already have some auto picks. So you're you're sort of preset with here's these three, and it, it sort of gives you a at least you can you have some place to start. Yeah. Do you know what also does? So Dave, you and I are playing a game, right? You're playing against my blood angels. Yeah. Say. What secondaries are you taking? Just name three. Um, wait, just just name three secondaries. Yeah, what would you take against me being a Blood Angel player? Go on. So we're 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 at a tournament. Oh, okay. I've written down my I've written down my secondaries. You say cool. Have you written them down, Steve. I'm like, yeah, I've written them down. What are you taking, Dave? So I can put in the score sheet. What are you taking? Just give me three. Um, you're going to be taking. Um, what are you taking? No, no, no. What are you? What, taking? Oh, what am I taking? Yeah, well, you're what am I taking? All right, well, what I'm taking with my list, um, I'm taking probably um, uh, Banners or um, uh, Knockman. Don't ever think it. Just give me three. Okay, so Banners, uh, the the um, uh, Retrieve Data, and uh, Assassinate. Okay, so you've taken Banners, Retrieve Data, and Assassinate, yeah? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you mine, and I'm like, right, okay, cool. I'm going to take my Blood Angel specific one, which allows me to be in your deployment zone. I'm going to take Oath of Moment, which is basically in the center of the table. Um, and uh, I'm also going to take, sure, Assassinate, right? Right. And now I go, Dave, uh, just put it into this thing, and you've picked two secondaries from the same category. Banners and Retrieve Nackman data in this, or Nephilim data in the same category. You can't do that, Dave. Yep. So before, I have to either feel like, well... Technically, you should get zero points on that secondary because you've picked them from the same category. Right. But I don't want to win like that because that's not cool. But then I also don't want right. to let you just re-pick your secondaries because now you know mine because that's then putting me at a disadvantage and I shouldn't be at a disadvantage because I picked my secondaries correctly. So what I can do to you instead is say, hey, Dave, well, um, you picked two from the same category. Then... You know, we could roll a dice which one you get. So one, one, two, three, you get banners, four, five, six is data, right? That's fair. 
And then the other one right. you can have is one of the um, default secondaries, like, for example, behind enemy lines. And you're like, cool, done. All right. So I think that's really nice. It gives tournament organizers there an opportunity, or even to maybe even write, if you're unable to you know, pick secondary, you just get the three default ones. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't thought of it from the perspective of being the TO. I was just thinking of it as, you know, for, for newer players. But yeah, no, that, that makes sense too. Somebody who, who walks up and makes a mistake or picks. Although now that there's a much, and we're getting into this, now that there's a much broader choice of um, books to, of uh, missions to choose from, I think it's going to be, it shouldn't be as difficult. It should in fact be easier for people to, uh, uh, to pick their, their secondaries. And it is all in one place, but if it does happen, then you can just say, cool, well, instead of just re- getting to re-pick your secondaries, just take the default ones, and you're like, okay, cool, so it's assassinate, grind them down, and behind enemy lines. Yeah? Yeah. Simples. So, again, it doesn't penalise a player for, um, I don't know, not being able to uh, pick their secondaries. So, I think that's good. I think it's a really, really good change. Yeah. Um, obviously, things from Force Organisation, you now start with six CPs, not 12. And your what you used to be your free warlord trait and your free relic, you now have to pay for, and those command stratagems are in the book. Um, that was actually one of the things I saw on our battle report was, hey, I didn't even realize that you have to now pay for those warlord traits and things, which is good. So um, the other thing on that one, if there's a wording like Abaddon or Abaddon, um, which stipulates you pay when it says when your warlord gains a warlord trait, you basically gain the other two for free. So it's buy one get two free with things like Mortarian when he becomes your warlord and gets the warlord trait I think he gets like four warlord traits it's only one CP to unlock all those I think Trajan gets two um, yeah so I think on the whole that's quite good that you don't have to keep buying them all otherwise it'd kind of be near or impossible to do it so that's yeah. great also I had another question about like things like Abaddon's sword which is like a relic sword it's not a relic it's just on his because if it's on your data sheet you get it for free it's the relics under the relic section of the book is what you've got to pay for now. Okay. You don't have to pay for your special weapons on your characters. Yeah. So Morven Vol is not paying for uh, Fidelis or her big old spear and no. uh, yeah, all those things, not, no relics. So it, it does encourage in that way, taking a, a special character or two because yeah. you, you can get a lot of the benefits of having a, a relic or, or, or similar item or ability without having to spend the CP, which your starting game CP are obviously going to be much more precious now. Nobody's yep. going hog wild spending, you know, six, eight, nine CP because you can't. Yep. Uh, transports, you now actually have to have a unit start inside it, otherwise destroyed. Um, that rule was actually named the uh, the Sam Roland rule for people who like to deploy uh, land speeder storms uh, empty just to grab uh, engage. Yep. I agree with it. I think it's yep. good. I think it's a good change. Um, and I believe that is everything that we've kind of covered. Yeah, CP changes, water traits, relics, etc. Um, so yeah, what does this mean? So obviously now, um, obviously with CPs, the one thing I haven't mentioned is that you now gain a CP in each player's command phase. Therefore, technically, if we compare like for like, old for new, you basically, if you now purchase both the free water trait and free relic that you get, there's a difference of three CPs. So now we're actually going to see a lot more stratagems and CPs being used in-game rather than pre-game. Um, yeah. 
So you're going to only spend your stratagems, those six, on things like your wall of traits and relics, uh, any sort of additional upgrades like that, and then obviously anything you do in the deployment step as well. So that's kind of where all those CPs are going to be spent. You've got six to spread there, and then obviously you've got the others which are um, you know going to be in-game, and you've got those ten, which means wall of traits and relics. These are kind of my big takeaways, Dave, all right? Go for it. Big takeaways. You've got wall of traits or relics that allow you to either use stratagems for free or you get to farm or regain CPs back, then it's probably worth it because before most people would spend their CPs over two turns, spend them all, and then you can't farm any back over the later game. Um, now there's going to be more spent in game, which is going to mean there's a higher probability you gain those CPs back. So yeah, anything that's like which states every time you or your opponent uses a stratagem on a five plus, you gain a CP. Things like that are going to be great. Um, things that stop your opponent from regaining CPs or things that can manipulate your ability to spend stratagems is also going to be fantastic. Like uh, Agents of Vec, that's going to be great, which means that your stratagems cost one more. Um, things like the... The, Cal- the Calidus Assassin's ability to, to, yes. to, te- to take away there CPs. We, there we go, Dave. Straight in the basket. Yeah. Um, because a lot of players now, for example, if you're a night player, you're probably going to want to make sure that you only spend five CPs pre-game, leaving you with one, meaning that when you get to the first command phase, you or your opponent, you've now got two because you need two CPs to rotate iron shields. Now, if you just go, oh, it's going to cost you one more now, mate, because I've got the Calidus Assassin, then all of a sudden they can't rotate iron shields and maybe their game plan falls apart. You really have to be a lot more structured with your strategy and spending you can't just throw them away on rerolls now. You need to really make sure you're saving up for those key moments in the game where you want to use them. They're also going to come towards the end of the game where you're going to have more CPs if you save them, which means that maybe the unit isn't as big and as, as large. So as your opponent, you can start to maybe pick out that key unit, that powerful combos, and start to maybe pick off a few of those models. That will really help. Um, so I think some of the lethality is going to be taken out of the game, which is good. So we'll have longer, um, more enjoyable games, which is great. We'll have our models on the table rather than, you know, them being shot off. The, you know, like we, like we used to see with Admech in Tau when they first came out, just being destroyed in turn one and two. So I think yeah. we're going to see a little bit of the lethality out of the game, meaning we can actually, you know, spend more time playing the mission. Um, but yeah, I think on the whole, fantastic updates here. Um, really many things to be excited about, but yeah, really start to look at your options now in terms of secondaries, because a couple of secondaries have been removed, like stranglehold is gone to the last is gone. Um, a lot of the stra- um, a lot of the secondaries have been reworked as well. So some of like the auto includes are now, you know, not auto includes you need to work a little bit harder for them. Looking at you, dark angel players with your stubborn defiance. Um, yeah, really. You now have to work much harder for that because it's in no man's land objective, not in your own. So again, yeah. this great this gives Games Workshop an opportunity to balance these secondaries as well on a regular basis, which is awesome, rather than just being locked in a codex for years. Um, so on the whole, I think this is an absolutely amazing update. The game's going to become much more interactive. Scores are not going to be like, winning scores aren't going to be 97 to 100 anymore. They're going to be more like, I don't know, 88 to 92 I think will be like a winning score so everything's going to come down a little bit because stranglehold to the last these kind of easy secondaries the easiest ones to grab are gone yeah. or have been had their scoring adjusted yeah and one more thing about the about the CP change that that I know you and I talked about but you you 
didn't mention today is the triple patrol is going to go away because except for Drakari, of course, they they get the pass because they have their special rule. But people are not going to be quite so apt. You're going to see a lot more battalion detachments on the table because people are going to have to make a hard choice between, hmm, do I need a do I need to take another patrol because I want to squeeze one more character in or do I want to have relics and warlord traits? And if even if I do spend all those CPs to put those characters in, now I don't have CPs to start the game to give them warlord traits and relics. So you're 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 going to see army list construction for people that were that were kind of the the worst offenders on spamming um, triple patrols to to maximize um, spamming a certain unit or to to squeeze extra characters in or whatever. That's going to go by the wayside. Yeah, especially those characters that are limited to one for the one per detachment, like your crisis commanders, um, right? Like your hive tyrants, all those types of options. So, on the whole we're going to see much more balanced game. Um, I'm really excited about the next three months of gaming. I really, really am. I've got a tournament coming up, not this weekend, but the weekend after where we're going to be using this. Uh, Really excited to get my chaos on the table in the future. Um, But on the whole, oh, what a, what an update has been. What a week. And Dave, I think we've done it. I think we've covered everything. Yeah. The, uh, obviously we don't have time to go through all of the different, um, all of the major changes, everything, but, um, Pick up, obviously, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably already have or are shortly going to go through and pick up the um, the Warzone Nephilim book. Uh, we covered all the highlights. All the secondaries is, would just be an, an episode unto itself, if not two. Um, but definitely go through and look at not just the secondaries that are, are available to your faction. Oh, and that was one other thing. I don't know if we mentioned it, but the with this new book, you can now take any number of secondaries from your uh, codex or or faction specific uh, options. So, if you are a Space Marine player, yeah. you can take Oath of Moment and Shock Tactics and something else from maybe a Blood Angel book or a Dark Angel book. Or you can t- you have full option to take any of the secondaries that are available to you without limit. No more of this. Well, two from the main book and one from a codex. Yeah. That's all gone. So. Um, I'm kind of excited because I can take decisive action and um, aerospace targeting relays both out of the Tau Codex and then something else out of the main book. Yeah, I did. So, I did mention that, but it was the I think you make a good point about taking the Blood Angel one as well. So you don't have to just take the Blood Angel one or the Space Marine ones. You can take a bit of both because you're a, yeah you're still a Space Marine basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dave, thanks so much for your time today, mate. And what we'll do is we'll head over to that segment with James. How you doing, James? You're right. I'm good, thank you. Okay. We've had a couple of questions, mate, because in previous episodes, you've talked about washes, pin washes, I don't know, whatever it might be, different types of washes. How do we, and what is the best way to apply a wash to a model? You know, we've got loads of classics out there. You've got your null oil, you've got your um, Agrax Earthshade, but sometimes they can be a little bit glossy, a little bit wet looking get a bit murky over the model. What's the best way of applying a varnish? Let's say to, I don't know, uh, Imperial Fist, for example, or Blood Angel. So we've all, we've all been there. We've all got the wash and just slapped it all over the model. And um, that, that's great for sort of using lots and lots of paint. Um, but I, I, I really think that, you know, less is, less is more uh, when it comes to it. Um, and, and for those of you listening that, that maybe don't have an airbrush, um, then what I would recommend is that you uh, that you definitely try and, uh, and apply a wash 
really, really gently with the brush and, and focus it on the actual recesses where it needs to be. Um, the reason I was saying about an airbrush is that you can also put, you can also, you can use a gloss varnish and gloss varnish your miniatures uh, to basically put a, a whole entire barrier of, of gloss varnish on the surface of the model. Um, this is really good for, for when you run the wash in recesses, it, the, the, the sort of slippery or shiny surface that the gloss varnish creates allows that wash to run a lot more freely on the model and you have and increases the amount of control you have over where it goes, which is quite good. Um, I would never recommend personally, in my, my own opinion, uh, to sort of like absolutely inundate and flood the model with wash. Um, you, you, the one thing that you're going to be hemorrhaging is time because you're going to have to go back in, you're going to have to get a brighter color, uh, the same color again, and then repaint in all the areas where you don't want that wash to, 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 to sort of darken it down. Now that's great for just for speed and just slapping it on and whatever, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't save you time. And, and painting, painting quick and painting well is also about painting smart. So what I would definitely recommend is that you, you get your, your washes and you pin shade the models. Gloss varnish them helps quite a lot, as I've mentioned. Um, and again, choose a relevant color for when you're doing your washes as well. Like I would always recommend you want contrast. It's there to put shadow. So if you've got a yellow model, you're saying an imperial fist, I would probably use things like Reichland or I'd probably use maybe, uh, maybe a mix of sepia and agrax together uh, so that it's not super brown, but it's also got like a bit of a yellowish hue, which sepia kind of does. Um, and, and again, we're talking about washes here. I'm sure we're all familiar with null oil, null oil sepia, agrax, earth shade, but any paint can be made into a wash just to make that quite clear. It's just a watered down paint um, at the stage where it allows, it holds its, its pigment concentration and allows you to basically strategically place color of that wash in the area that you need it to. So don't be scared to just get some paints, water them down and use those as washes uh, in place of your null oil, like a black, or for example, like a dark brown for Agrax or whatever, um, you, you'll find they dry, uh, they'll dry matte or more matte in finish, which can also, a, a lot of people experience problems with, for example, the, uh, the shades drying uh, glossy. Um, if you make sure you shake your, your washes before you use them as well, that's quite important because sometimes they do separate like the medium and the, and the pigment in, in the actual wash as well. Um, if you if you shake them, they'll dry. Tend to dry a little bit matte, more matte as well, which is quite good. Um, but don't forget that Games Workshop also produced the gloss versions. We've all been there and picked up the wrong one before and put it on the model and then realised we've made a mistake. So, um, so just be careful when you're picking your washes if you're going to use those those specific products. Um, but yeah, hopefully that gives you a lot more ideas on how to control it, what to do with it. Um, just uh, just have a lot of thought before you sort of start putting it everywhere on a model. If it doesn't need to be there, there's no point in covering the model. You're just creating more work for yourself in the long run. All right, nice. And what if you're a bit clumsy like me, you're a bit heavy-handed, and you've just splodged it on? And can we, how do we fix it? So if, if you've literally just put it on, grab a brush, clean water, and just flood that area, um, and it will come off and go away. Um, the problem is with, with a lot of washes, and they, I'm talking more so that the actual uh, direct products, so your Agrax, your Sepia and all those, they tend to stain very, very quickly. Um, with a paint, it actually is a lot easier to remove that color if you do make a mistake and you're using, and you made your own wash, so to speak, from a paint. It's actually very easier to do that. Um, so I'd also recommend just, just doing that and just using normal paints as opposed to direct washes. Um, but if you do make a mistake, Fear not, just literally try and take off as much as you can and then just really, really carefully with a brush, just layer up the, the base coat again and go again. Um, as, long as, as long as you're refined with what you're doing, you don't apply too much to the surface, you should be golden and you should be able to fix any mistakes really, really simply and really easily. 
That's great. Thank you very much, James. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Well, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody for tuning in today. Make sure you leave us that review, ideally five stars, and we'll read it out on next week's episode. Thanks so much, James, for all of your help with our Battle Ready segments that we do. And also check out C Studios for any help for the future. And remember, you've got until the 11th of July to sign up the Vanguard Tactics Academy if that's something that you wish to do and if you really want to improve your confidence and your clarity when it comes to playing the game of 40k. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. Sorry it's a little bit of a longer episode and we'll see you next week where we'll be covering the Chaos Space Marine Codex. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.